0: Hello, Praise Chapel Paramount. This is Pastor Omar Lopez. This past weekend, we finished our series on proximity. And I talked about walking away from God, how the prodigal son walked away from God. But the fact that the father was willing to take him back despite his rebellion and how God the father loves us despite when we walk away from him, he loves us and always wants to welcome us back. And we welcome all of you that have just tuned in and those that have been on here with us during this worship time. We appreciate you being with us this morning. We're going to have a great, great time. And uh, I know it's a bit of a challenge for everybody. But the great thing is, although we can't be together physically, we can be together here in faith and spirit and heart. And uh, we're worshiping God together in all different places. And if you'd like to just uh, send us some of the pictures of you with your family. And uh, your group worshiping God together, I just appreciate uh, so many people are posting that where they're just showing their family worshiping, coming together and praising God and having church in your home. Who would have thought, you know? We always thought church was just in a building, but you can have church in your home. We're the church of God. We know that the, the church is not closed. People were saying, why is the church closed? No, the building is closed, but the church is open. Because church is going on in different places now. The church has got out the building and it's spreading around. And uh, I tell you, the gospel is going forth. And so I'm so proud of our church. Uh, So many are tuning in. And during the week, during our prayer time together, we've been having prayer. And again, I want to just encourage you, join in our prayer if you can. uh, Every uh, Tuesday morning, Thursday morning, and Saturday morning uh, from 730 to 830. We've been just having a great time. Uh, in prayer and of course our Wednesday night service so those things have just been an encouragement and I just can't tell you how much I'm proud of our church that's been responding and tuning in and the generosity of our church during this time and so I'm so blessed to know that our church is still connected although we may not do do it physically we are connected in heart and in spirit together so I'm encouraged by your love and your uh, emails and, and people that have texted in. And so we appreciate that. And if you're, uh, if you're just uh, tuning in or others that are, are, uh, have been online, just comment there. Tell us how much you're encouraged by the ministry. Uh, we also want you to just uh, hit that share button. Let people know, hey, church is going on right now. Share that with somebody. So we, we so appreciate that. But I'm going to minister this morning. And we're going to continue our series. We're not going to let this thing disrupt us because I believe this, folks. We're in a season. We're not in a cycle. And let me just tell you something about seasons. Seasons change. Cycles don't. Cycles are repetitive over and over. But I believe it's a season that we're in and it's going to change. The tide is going to change. God's going to make the change and we're going to come out of this and we're going to be able to get together soon uh, physically, but I know together right now online, uh, our hearts are, are in it and our spirit and our worship together uh, to the Lord is so powerful. So I'm going to continue our series on proximity. And if you've been with us this whole month of March, we decided that we're going to do a series on proximity and who would know that we'd be in this situation today. And proximity simply means being close. It means being being near. We often hear this, the word close proximity. But in actuality, when you just say, I'm in proximity to that person, we're saying we are close to that person or we are near that person. And we've been using the analogy of walking with God, walking with God in proximity, being close to God, being near to God. And one of the key things about that is when you are in proximity with God, you, got, you have God's influence. Whoever you are in proximity with has the greatest influence on your life. And so we want to position ourselves in proximity to God so that God can have the greatest influence in our life. Every part of our lives, how we think, how we talk, what we do, when we have God's proximity, we begin to be influenced by godliness, by the word of God. And I'll tell you what, I've been encouraged to hear from people that say, I am determined to be in proximity with God even during this season. And so last week, I I talked about how Mary and Martha were in proximity with Jesus, but it was painful because, of course, we know uh, that if you know the story, Lazarus had died or he was sick and then he died. And they're wondering, where is Jesus during this time? And Jesus came. They felt he was late, but God is always on time. And so this morning, I want to emphasize the story today or want to focus on the story in Luke chapter 15. And many of you are familiar with this story because it's a powerful story. It's the story of the prodigal son. If you, if you remember that story, and I'm gonna kind of read it a little bit, but before I do, there's actually three parables in that story or in that chapter. It's the story of the lost sheep, the story of the lost coin, and the story of the lost son. And I believe that whole, it's really one big parable And it really demonstrates the love of God. It demonstrates this. Here's the privilege of being in proximity with God because God first loved us before we loved him. It isn't that we found God, God found us. And, And the powerful thing is we serve a God that loves us and chases after us and longs to have relationship with us. That is the power of proximity. And in this story in Luke chapter 15, It's a powerful story about the love of God. And often when we read that story, we think the main character in the story is the prodigal son. Of course, when you read the story, he's he's the one that has walked away from God. He's walked away from his proximity uh, with his father. Uh, We see that he's the one that's uh, gone out and and, uh, basically has went out to live in shame when we read this story, you'll see that he's the guy that, uh, man, he, he's, he's the shocking character in the story. But I, I'm here to tell you there's more than one character in the story. There's also the elder brother who is self-righteous, who thinks that he deserves more than he's getting. And so we think, well, is the story about the elder brother or is it about the prodigal son? I really believe in this story in Luke chapter 15. Now, we're going to read... I believe the star of the story and the main character of the story is actually the father. Actually, the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son is really the story about a loving father that is chasing after his son and wants to have closeness. And I believe that's the love of God right now. Wherever you're at, God actually wants to have proximity with you more than we want with him. Actually, God's chasing after you more than, he, than we're chasing after him. So when we read this story in Luke chapter 15, I believe it's God that is the main story. God the Father is the main story. And we're one of those sons. We're either the prodigal son, the one that runs away from God, or we can be the elder brother. And, and I want you to kind of read with me here in Luke chapter 15. I'm gonna read the first a couple of verses here in verse one and two and kind of give you the uh, backdrop of the story and who Jesus is speaking to in this particular story. Okay, in Luke chapter 15, uh, verse number one, it said, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all drew, drawing near to him. They were coming to him, these tax collectors, these sinners, and the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled saying, and this man receives sinners and he eats with them. So before I go on, I'm going to pray. One of the things, if you attend our church here at Praise Chapel Paramount, before I actually get into the Word and begin to preach, uh, you know, after my introduction here, I like to pray. So I'm going to pray. So, Father, right now, I pray for every person that is watching, those that are listening. God, I pray the Word of God would minister to them, that, Father, we would give you our 100% undivided attention even though we may be at home, God, we're not gonna allow it to distract us, but we're going to be focused on the word of God just as we, if we were sitting in a building, they're listening, God, we're gonna do the same thing here in our home and give you our 100% undivided attention. I pray, God, anoint every word that I speak and let it minister to the hearts and lives of people in Jesus' name, amen. So let me give you the context of this parable because there are two sets of groups that are listening to Jesus. The Bible says the first one is there are sinners and tax collectors. In other words, these are the lost of the lost. And then there's the tax collectors, which were considered even worse than sinners because they were to collecting taxes from their own people and pocketing some of the money. So you had the sinners and you had even the lower grade sinners, which were, believe it or not, the tax collectors. And then you had another set of people, which were the Pharisees and the scribes. And this was the religious group. This was the group that felt that they were already in proximity with God, that they were already close to God. And they didn't need to hear anything that they had already had it all together. And so you have these two groups, you have the, the religious group, and then you have those that were lost. And believe it or not, as close as these folks felt they were, the religious group, they were actually farther from God, probably than the sinners themselves. And so many times we can become self-righteous and think, because we know things that we're close to God, but really it's a hard issue. And so when Jesus begins to... Uh, share this story i really want you to think about this he's really really trying to minister to those religious people who are hearing the story of this prodigal son that i'm about to read to you and he's really focusing on them and so here's what the bible says in luke chapter 15 jumping down to verse 11 jesus begins to share the story of the prodigal son and he said there was a man who had two sons And it says, and the younger, verse 12, and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided the property uh, between them. So here, it was a strange request that a young son would want his property or want his inheritance before the dad died. That's a strange request. But the other part was the strange response that the dad actually gave it to him. Now here's the heartbreaking part of this story. Can you imagine if you were a dad and your son coming up to you saying, God, uh, you know, dad, we can't wait till you die. You know, I know, I know you're going to die soon, but you know, you've been living too long and I need my money now. And I figure I have something coming to me already. I figure you already have some property that uh, that I want, I, I want the car, I want the some of that 401k. Could you imagine how break, heartbreaking that is if you were a father, that your son came to you and said, you know what, uh, um, uh, you're living too long. I, 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 kind of, I wish you were dead so I can collect what's mine. And that's kind of what the young man was asking his dad. Give me my share right now. I can't wait. Give me my portion that belongs to me. And it's a crazy request to even ask that. And it was shameful uh, even in today's culture, but it was even more shameful in the Jewish culture. But here's the major surprise of it that the father did or gave that young man what he requested. Most Jewish scholars, when they read that, they said most of those, um, a father during that time would have never given his son his portion. He would have ran him out the house. He would have told him, get, get out of here. We don't need you if you're gonna want your stuff right now. What kind of request is it? But the father's so compassionate and he loves his son so much that he gives him what belongs to him. And you have to know this, that the older brother would have gotten, if the father had passed away, the older uh, fa- uh, son gets a double portion and the younger son gets one third. So he gets one third of the inheritance And here's what happens. The Bible says that he takes that money and he runs away. And so let's just read verse number 13 to give us an idea of what begins to take place if you're not familiar with the story. Not many days later, verse 13, the younger son gathered all that he had and he took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything he had, a severe famine arose in the country and he began now to be in need. And so he went and he hired himself out of the uh, he hired out himself out to one of the citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pod that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. So here is this young man he takes the money He takes all the assets that that was given to him. He casts them in, so to speak, and he runs off and he runs away from his dad and he runs away from that relationship and that proximity that he had with the father. He liquidated all of his assets and he leaves and he goes away and he lives recklessly. And uh, many scholars believe that he just kind of squandered all the money and just did what he wanted to do and It started off great when you read the story. It seems like, man, he was living it all up and then the winds change and what happens? People begin to leave him. Probably his girlfriend dropped him. Whoever he found, his friends that had gathered around him had left him and now he's left by himself. He didn't despair. He's begging. He's wondering how he could survive. He had all this money. He was in close proximity with his father. He had He was living there with his father, but somehow he felt like if I just go out on my own, I don't need no ruse. I don't need no direction. I can make it on my own. And what happens? He goes off on his own. He leaves the proximity of his dad. He goes on his own and what he squanders everything and he loses everything. And now he's by himself. The Bible says he, and then he goes out and he basically gets a job and the job is the lowest of the lowest job. It's one of the most disgraceful jobs, especially for a Jewish young man. Number one, he's feeding pigs. And that was a shame for any Jewish man to be around pig. They were considered unclean animals. And then he, he ended up working for a Gentile, someone that wasn't even a, a Jewish person. So those two things uh, were really the the sad part of where he's at now, he's at the bottom of the bottom. And see, I believe that's what happens when we get away from God. We think, oh, you know what? I'm gonna do it my own way. And sometimes it seems like it's better. In fact, did you know that the Bible says that sin is pleasurable? It actually is. If somebody tells you, well, sin's no fun, they're lying. They just don't know how to do it right. I'm gonna tell you, sin is fun. In fact, the Bible does say in Hebrews 11:25. 25, he, uh, sin is pleasurable, but then it says, it's pleasurable for a season. Sin comes back and begins to collect the rent. Sin begins to come back and collect what's due. It'll let you have a good time, but sooner or later, we'll pay the price uh, for doing our own thing. And that's exactly what happened to this young man. He finds himself at the bottom of the barrel and he's basically now feeding pigs and wanting to eat the food of the, uh, uh, of the pigs that, uh, or the food that he's feeding the pigs. And again, I want to remind you, there are two groups here and this, that second group is the religious group that's listening and they're saying, yep, he's getting what he's deserved because the Bible says uh, uh, the first group that, that are sinners and tax collectors, they're probably saying, I could relate to what, he, what, what that story is. I could relate to that, to that young man. And the religious people are probably saying he's getting what he deserves. I'm sure they're thinking in their mind, yeah, that's what happened. And so they were very self-righteous. And look what happens here in verse 17 of Luke chapter 15. But when he came to himself, talking about this young man, he said, how many of my father's higher servants have more than enough bread? In other words, he starts thinking to himself, wait a minute, I'm here, I'm starving, I'm feeding pigs and I want to eat the, the, the sloth of this pig or the pod that I'm feeding them. And my father has servants who we have enough bread. And he goes, but I, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise, he says, and go to my father. And I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer, he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me as one of your hired servants. So the Bible said the younger man comes to himself. Other translations say his eyes were open or he came to his senses or all of a sudden everything became clear, the fog cleared up or we've heard the, the, the phrase, he had an aha moment. He just said, man, wait a minute, why am I doing this when I know that my father has servants who even eat better than this? I'll just go back and ask him, you know what? I'm not worthy to be called your son. Just make me a servant. See, he thought in his mind, I've damaged. I've I've reached the point of no return. I broke my proximity with my father and it could never be restored. And so he's thinking to himself, I'm not even worthy to be called a son anymore. I'm just gonna go back and ask him just to make me a servant or a hired servant as one of his servants, but not a son. Now, here's the thing. If he was coming back or he started making his way back to his father, and here's the thing about the Jewish community, they call, they call this thing when someone has abandoned their home and forsaken uh, their father, what many of the Jewish community did is they did what something called Kazaza, and I believe I'm pronouncing that right if I'm not, but it's K-E-Z-Z-A-Z-A-A-H. Kazaza. And what that means is basically when you left your family and you came back in shame, the community, what they would do is they would break a large pot and they would say, you're cut off forever. And not only did your family cut you off, but the community cut you off. So when you started making your way back after you left and you forsake, they would come before you and break apart, and the community would cut you off and your family would cut you off. In fact, the community is what did this and the father usually wasn't there. The father usually wasn't there when the community would do this and that son would be abandoned or cut off forever. And so... Uh, This young man is making his return back. But look at what happens. Here's what's very unique because Kazada never takes place. Look at what happens in verse 20 of Luke chapter 15. And he arose and came to his father. But, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. You hear that repentance? He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He recognized the wrong that he did. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattest calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found found and he began to celebrate. So this is what I picture. The father knew that what the community was going to do. They knew that they were going to break that pot and cut him off. So he got there early and don't just think that he was there one day. He must've been there every day looking for his son to come back He wanted to make sure because if the community knew he was coming back, they were going to do that ritual and cut him off. And so before they could come, the Bible says, before the community could reach his son, he ran to his son. He didn't wait for his son to come to him. He ran to his son. And let me just tell you something. A father during that time, it was against their culture for a father to run. Because remember, they wore robes back then. And so he would be exposing his knees, he would be exposing his legs, and that would be undignified during that culture. But the father didn't care. He wanted to run to his son, and the Bible says he hugged his son, and he kissed him, and he said, bring a robe, why? Because he wanted to cover his shame. He was hugging him and to embrace him, to cover his shame from the community and other people that were watching on, because I'm sure uh, people were looking, uh, uh, looking at that son in shame and with resentment, but he wanted to cover him. And let me just tell you something about the robe. Usually the robe was like a guest robe, but many scholars believe it was actually the robe of his father. When he said the best robe, give me, in other words, put my robe on him. I want my robe to cover his shame. And then he says, put a ring on his finger. That ring is a sign or a signet of authority. And when you wore a ring uh, that represented your father, you were able to do business with that. So he says, I want him back to be my son. I'm restoring him with that authority. And he's, he's my son. He's, I've rescued him and I'm, I'm restoring his position. And he said, put shoes on his feet. And here's the thing about it. Servants and slaves didn't wear shoes. The only ones that wore shoes were sons. And so he put shoes on his feet to say, he's my son. He's not just a servant. He's my son. And then the Bible says, cut or, or let, let's begin to kill. Let's kill the fattest calf. And so uh, uh, meat was only eaten at special occasions. They didn't eat a lot of meat back then, and when they did, it was a special occasion. Can I tell you, this was a special occasion that his son, had came back, and basically, the father runs to you more than we think, well, I'm running to God. Can I tell you something? God's running after you more than you even realize it. And his proximity, and he wants to be closer to you than reality, than we want to be close to him. And even when we feel far away, even when we've messed up, even when we say, man, I... I've just not been a good example. I, I feel like my heart's been away from God. I feel like I've been far from God. Some of the things I'm doing are wrong. You could still come back. And can I tell you something? God's running after you. He wants you to come back. In fact, the doors are open for you to restore you back in relationship with him. In fact, if, you, if you've been away from God a while, I'm not just saying church, just are in your own heart. You said, man, I've been, even before all this started, I wasn't really even walking with God. You can still come back. Now, here's what I want also to look at because everybody's celebrating. Everybody's happy that the son has come back. The father is excited and celebrating that his son has come back. In fact, they throw a party. The Bible said they cut the fattest calf. And and if you're Latino, man, that means cadenasada. That means menuzo. That means all of this good stuff, Right? Uh, If you're a steak guy, that means filet mignon, that means porterhouse steak, that means uh, all that stuff. So they're, they're having a feast, they're having a great time. But I want you to look at the elder brother's response to this whole thing. And the Bible says in verse 25 of Luke chapter 15, now his older son was in the field. Now he'd been working all day and he probably didn't even realize what was going on. Maybe he was way far in the field somewhere and so he's walking back from a hard day's work. And as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. Can you imagine there's a party at your house and no one even told you about it? That, that already gets you ticked off. And he called one of the servants and asked him, hey, what's going on? What do these things mean? And he said to him, your brother, talking about his younger brother, has come and your father has killed the fattest calf. So now the son knows, hey, he made this a special occasion that he killed the fattest calf and because he has received them safe and sound. In other words, he's done this because he's received them safe and sound. But look at the elder brother's response. Instead of rejoicing, but he was angry and refused to go in. He said, I'm not even going in. I'm gonna stay outside. I'm dirty. I just came back from work, work working that field. And you know what? I don't care. I'm going to stay out here uh, just dirty and not even clean myself up because I'm not going inside uh, and be part of the celebration. And his father came out, look at that, and entreated him. In other words, trying to convince him. He said, come on in, son. You need to come in and be a part of this celebration. In verse 29, nine, but he answered. He said, look, look. Now, that was kind of rude. You didn't, you didn't talk disrespectfully to your dad that way. Look. Look at this. Look, this is unfair. Look, this isn't right. He was trying to put his dad in his place. He said, look, he said, these many years I've served you and never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. In other words, I didn't even get as much as a media, right? Media, goat, I didn't even have that. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, so he was... He immoral, he was out there doing his own thing. You've killed the fattest calf for him. And he said to him, the father's response, I love the father's response because this is God the father speaking to all of us. And he said to his son, son, you are always with me. I'm, you know, we're together and all that is mine is yours. That's God the father. Everything I have is for you. It was fitting to celebrate and to be glad. That was the right thing to do. For your brother was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and he's found. What a powerful illustration of God the Father. What a powerful illustration of God himself. He's wanting to have relationship. He's wanting to restore. He's wanting to celebrate the restoration and reconciliation of those that have been lost. Now, I want you to think about this, though, in this story, that the Pharisees who were listening to this story Because really in this story, the outer brother represents the Pharisees. Jesus is kind of exposing their heart. And he said, that's how your Pharisees are seeing it. You think that he should have been shamed. He should have been cut off. But I, I love how God the Father breaks all of that and he's celebrating. He said, basically, your brother's safe and sound. Let's celebrate. And the elder brother was irritated by the whole thing. He was mad by the whole thing. This is unacceptable. But God the Father is pointing out that he loves us. So here's a couple of things I want to kind of talk about in the next five or six minutes here that I have with you. I want you to I point out a couple of things in this story. Number one, we look at the youngest son, and we know, obviously, he was the rebel. When we come to proximity, he was moving away from God. And, of course, we want to move back to God. But the moment he came to his senses, the moment he realized where he was at and the wrong he was in, he turned to God in repentance. And can I tell you something? The moment we turn to God, we become an immediate proximity with god immediately god hears that cry of repentance immediately god runs to you he's waiting for you to turn to him and jesus when he tells this story there is a bunch of sinners that are sitting there listening to him because the bible says there were tax collectors and sinners and they were sitting there because they probably thought man i blew it i messed up i've been far from god You know, I've done it too many times. I'm this rebel in the story. There's no hope for me. There's no way God would ever restore me as the son. And he's giving them an example that no matter how far you think you are from God, God always makes a way to restore you and to come back to him. And it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a man or woman, You've been far from God, you feel. You say, man, I'm even nervous to be around church. I'm kind of nervous watching online right now. I'm here to tell you that God loves you. Doesn't matter how far you've been away from God, that you can always come back to him and he wants to restore you and bring you back into relationship with you and he cares about your life. Now, then I also wanna just say a few things about this elder brother because he may not have been an open rebel. He was kind of a hidden rebel. This guy, he may have been there around the Father. He may have even been in church a while. And I want to talk to some of you that you've, you've attended church. You're you're familiar with church. Sometimes we can be the hidden rebel and we can be close physically. We can be just like you were coming to church and in the building, but sometimes our heart can be farther away from God than someone like this prodigal son. And really we have to check our motives that we're not we're not feeling. Uh, indignation toward those that we say, well, they're morally wrong. Sometimes our sin can be greater than those that uh, have gone and done their own thing because the Bible says this, this uh, elder brother was so self-righteous. Really, what we call that is spiritual pride when we think we're better than everybody else. Friend, if we're praying for the world, if we're Christians and believers, if we really believe in proximity we're praying for those lost. We're praying for people that have been away from God. And friend, I'm telling you, we're all in the same boat. We could be that elder brother who's looking down at us. Man, I'm telling you, we're doing better than we deserve. We've said, I've said that before. It's by the grace of God that we have mercy and grace. You know, there's a scripture in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8. It said, the people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so this elder brother, he was selfish. He was just thinking about himself. He was self-righteous. And, and, and the Bible says none of us are good enough, right? The Bible says our, our righteousness is like filthy rags to God. If it wasn't for the grace, if it wasn't for the mercy of God, if it wasn't for him having compassion for us, friend, we're like the same. The elder brother and the prodigal young son, they're both in the same boat, but thank God there's a loving father. And I really want to talk about the father's gracious love. And really what they call, we've sang that song, reckless love. And lots of people say, well, God's loves not reckless. Well, it's reckless in the sense that it, it we can't believe that God still loves us. Despite, despite our rebellion, that God still loves us. Despite man, so many things that we do, not only outside, but in our own hearts. And so The Father wants to restore us. The Father wants to heal us. The Father wants us to be in proximity with him. And right now, if you're you're listening, this is the time right now. Maybe we need to say, maybe it's a time where we look at our own selves. And which one are you? Are you Are you the prodigal son or are you the elder brother? Because all of us need help. All of us need God, especially right now. Friend, I'll tell you what, it is time to call out to God. It's time to pray. It's time to come back to the Father and our relationship with him and let him right now restore. Right now that we have time in our homes, it's time to get close to God as much as we can. It's time to pray, get our family together, believe God for people. It's time to reach out to someone. And maybe you can't be there physically, but maybe you know someone that's been far away from God. Maybe you know someone that used to come to church, that used to uh, know the Lord and was walking with God, but they're far away from God. It's time to reach out to them. And God may use you to call them, to text them, to even share this message with them, to say, you know what? I I just wanted to share this with you. I wanted to share this message with you. I've been praying for you. You know, maybe it's time to pray for some people. Maybe it's time to reach out and offer prayer. Because I think that's powerful. Right now, there's not a a lot we can do, but we can pray. We can give words of encouragement to people. We can can be like this father in this story who wants to reach out and heal people, who wants to reach out and restore people. And I, I love this story because it gives us an illustration of God's love that no matter how far away we are, we're not too far that God can't heal us, that God can't restore us. So I'm going to pray this morning. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount, or visit our website at PraiseChapelParamount.com.